Top of the time, yeah. This is tea time. Make a difference. One cup at a time. So be sure to grab your tea, grab a seat, and tune in to Miss Liz. Tea time. Make a difference. One cup at a time. Welcome back. We are here for the afternoon tea time. That is right. And today I have tattooing. That's right. I haven't had this in four seasons. This is my first tattoo artist that is here with me today. And we are going to be bringing some new listeners to the house today. So all of you guys that got tattoos or got questions, throw them into my Miss Liz's DMs and I will get those out to the amazing Dan Hank. That's right. He is also known as Dead Guy LLC. He's a cartoonist, illustrator, author, and writer. He is all of that. And we are going to serve a good, strong cup of tea. And for all of you art and artists out there, you might just pick up a few little tips and tools from Dan this afternoon. So let's get started with the disclaimer. And then I'm going to read Dan's bio. And then I'm going to get Dan in here. And he's going to spill you a good TEA this afternoon. For all of the listeners out there, share this tea time. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and subscribe to Miss Liz's podcast channels. All of that good stuff. And let's roll and let's spill and make a mess with a good cup of tea. Disclaimer for Miss Liz's Tea Time Live Show. Miss Liz, myself, is going live using StreamYard. Before leaving a comment, please grant StreamYard permission to see your name at StreamYard.com. Please be advised that the content brought forward for any Tea Time show hosted by myself, Miss Liz, is always brought forward in good faith. However, may bring forward dialogues and opinions that are not representative of my platform. The facts and information are perceived to be accurate at the giving time of airing. All tea time guests and audience participants are responsible for using their good judgment in taking any action that may relate to the discussion. The content brought forward may include discussions for some where they may, may be emotionally at risk. It is significant to know that the show is engaging in discussion forms only to offer inspire awareness and connection and is not providing therapeutical advice. If you have any questions or dis about the disclaimer or the panelist discussion, you may freely contact me, Miss Liz, through my email at bookingmissliz at gmail.com. Moving forward, should you choose to voluntarily participate in today's show in any aspect, I myself, Miss Liz, welcomes you. And should you decide that the show is not made for you at this time, I expect those wishes and we'll see you at a later show at a later date and time. Again, all tea time shows this year in 2023 are done on Thursday, 10 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. That's right. We do three shows in one day. And now, if you see it on another day, it's a rescheduled show or it's a surprise guest because I do have a couple of those coming up before the end of the year. So pay attention and watch Miss Liz's Facebook page. So now a little bit on Dan. Who is Dan Hanks? Dan's early career included a year and a half stint drawing political cartoons for Madcap magazine and illustrating underground projects such as Maximum Rock and Roll. In 1997, after struggling through a violent car crash and a knife fight with a crackhead that served, severed the tendons of his left thumb, he attended art school. Receiving some commercials and local galleries acclaim for his artwork, he moved to New York City in an attempt to kickstart an art career. Heavily emerging himself in the local hardcore scenes, he produced artwork for the for the bands Shai Hula, 
indecision decision kashahara unsound coral list if i'm saying any of these names wrong i'm going to get dan to say them because i mean no disrespect to any of them most precious blood locked in a vacancy beyond reason and zombie apocalypse not to mention various local record labels and venues in 2000 he started tattooing initially working on many musicians musician friends a year later in september in 2001 he was stricken with brain cancer and underwent surgery chemotherapy and radiation three months after the surgery he married fellow tattoo artist monique castello his work started appearing in both a growing number of tattoo magazines and more fine art influenced tomes Tattoos related related books such as No Regrets, Tattoo Prodigy, and Inside the Tattoo Circus took notice and included features. Tragedy struck him again in 2007 as his wife of six years, Monica Hintz, was killed on a motorcycle by a hit-and-run driver despite extensive coverage in the local media and very... I can't say that word. Uh, campaigns by both the tattoo and motorcycle community, the culprit was never found. He moved to Austin, Texas for three years and started doing a regular comic strip entitled Rollo and Me for Tattoo Artist Magazine, illustrated illustrations for Black Static, the Literal Magazine, The Horror Zen, and This Is Horror Follow Suits. His first no, uh, novel, The Black Seas, of Infinity was published by Archery Books in 2011, and he started on illustrated calendars featuring a very variety of artists. Deadline Press released the first book with a cover by Dan, a novel entitled The Soap Path by Pierre Anthony, a limited edition chapbook, Christmas is Cancelled, Come Out courtesy of Splatterpunk in 2013. And in 2014, he started columns for TAM, Tattoo Revenue, and Skin Art magazines. To find out the rest of Dan's incredible bio, I suggest that you go to my Facebook page, read the rest. But I'm going to bring up the, the bottom half in the middle of the show. But I want to get Dan in here, and I want him to bring up the names that I might have said incorrect because I don't mean any disrespect to any of those incredible people. Let me get Dan in here. Hi, Dan. Hey, what's up? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, no, I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. All right. Yeah, I my, my tongue sometimes just doesn't work right, and I can't pronounce things, and then I get frustrated, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I, I don't mean any disrespect. So for any of the bands that I, I mentioned that I might have said wrong, could you say their names for me? Sure. Um, you, there are only two. Um, there's one called uh, Shai Halud. I, I guess you had uh, trouble pronouncing it, but it's kind of a weird name. It's um, if you ever saw the movie Dune, it's the giant sandworms in the movie Dune. They call Shilud, and the guys in the band were a big fan of both the, uh, I think the movie, but definitely the book. It's based off of a very famous sci-fi book called Dune, and um, like I said, the sandworms are a big, you know, element of it, and they're they're called the uh, Shahilud. Shahilud. Well, Sh see, when Shai I get somebody, yeah. when I get somebody to show me how to say it, then I can see it, right? Right. Because <laughs> I I read letters instead of pronouncing them with my dyslexia. So sometimes I'll, you know, a letter will be a silent letter, and I'll be like, uh, but that's not how I read it. So right. Then I pronounce it wrong, right? So Dan, I want to get started. How I get started with every show out there, who you were as a little guy, and who you are now. Uh. As a little kid, I was uh, my dad's military, so we, you know, my dad was the only one in the family that worked, so we'd like live on like isolated military bases, you know, and, and they wouldn't be totally rural areas, but like some would be a little more rural, some would be kind of like slightly suburban. But I built a lot of tree forts, you know. Um, we didn't have a TV, so I went to the library a lot. Like I, I get the giant stack of books, and I'd read the whole thing within a week. You know, like, I was that guy that, you know, my mom would be like, all right, go to sleep, lights out, and then I have the flashlight, and I'd be like, you know, <laughs> reading a book and stuff. But, yeah, so we, we probably uh, didn't have my vision. I, I need glasses now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, you know, th that's what I do. I, I like, I play outside a lot. Uh, 
we we had uh we lived in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and we lived on um an army base in like the the woods they used at training grounds for World War II. So there were all these trenches there and foxholes and you know whatever. And, and so we we played like soldier with like Roman candles. We shoot each other and like chase each other around and hide in foxholes and stuff. So I, I think it was pretty good. Like growing up, it was pretty good until about the age of 12 when I, I first got into metal and then I got into punk rock. And then I, I'm a very conservative, very military dad. And he was not about that life at all. So you were the rebel at 12. Well, I remember I first started having a lot of problems at 12. Like, and my dad's a very much like, a, you know, you know, um, spare the rod, spoil the child, you know, sort of, you know, disciplinarian. And I remember I ran away from home twice. And, you know, it, like, it just was an ongoing thing. And, and it only got worse. Like, first they started in metal. And then, I, you know, and it was kind of like, you know, just ducking my parents a little bit. But then I get into punk rock and this giant mohawk. And, you know, and then things got really bad. Like, you know, like I, I'd keep all my stuff in a friend's house, you know, otherwise my parents would like throw it out. Uh, it, it was like, I, I don't really bore you with all the details, but it was, it was a long adventure. You know, and then I had all the cops, they would press fake charges against me because then the last place we moved that was with my family was Fairfax, Virginia, which was like more well-to-do than what we're used to. So, you know, the people there, they drove like BMWs and, you know, they, they were like, it's it very much like a, a highbrow culture and, and they really looked down at me. So the cops would press fake charges. Like I, I remember I was smoking a cigarette and they pressed arson charges against me and dragged me to jail for that. And, you know, and, and the thing is, you know, anything that anyone told my parents, they just believed. They're like, oh, we can't trust a kid, you know, obviously. I mean, look at him. You know, so, yeah, that, that's when things went downhill. So, Dan, when did you get into tattooing? Um, well, when I was 18, I like, I did all the artwork for everyone. I painted all the leather jackets and did all the art for the bands and stuff. And I had a, a friend of a girl that was, um, he, he saw my stuff. He's like, that guy needs to learn a tattoo all T-shirt. And at the time, I thought tattoos were all like, you know, like Magnus, like the little, like, you know, traditional tattoos. And I was like, those are cool. I like them. I want to get some, but I don't want to do that for a living. So I turned them down. And then, you know, later on after, you know, I was trying so hard breaking the art community, I did political cartoons, I did, you know, magazine, you know, illustrations, but I couldn't get a steady, consistent job. So I went to art school and my art teacher was like, if you want to make it, move to New York. So then I moved to New York. And while I'm in New York, like I'm working at Hard Rock Cafe, which is horrible. I don't recommend anyone <laughs> work there. But I was working at Hard Rock Cafe. I was like, I hate this. And, you know, like I'm interviewing with DC Comics. DC Comics almost went bankrupt. Like the movie saved them, you know, but they're, they're really negative. They want me to draw superheroes. And, you know, so I had a friend of my brother's who tattoos. And he saw my paintings. He's like, that guy needs a tattoo. So by this point, it seemed like, you know, more developed, like Guy Atchison, Aaron Kane, like, like artists who were doing like really cool stuff. I said, hey, maybe I can express myself tattooing. So then I started tattooing. And, you know, when I started tattooing, it was like, I'll do this until I get a, quote, real job. But I really liked it. And, and you know, like, I even today, like, if I won the lottery, I wouldn't give it up. I'd tattoo less. I'd only tattoo stuff I really, really enjoy, you know. Although I, I'm a little selective now anyways, now that I own a shop. But, you know, but, yeah, so I, I narrow it down, but I enjoy it. So, Dan, you started at 18. So how did your parents feel about that? Well, I didn't start tattooing at 18. I, I got kicked out of the house at 18. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh. Yeah, like I lived in the woods, like like sleeping in the woods. You know, one night I walked all around town so I wouldn't freeze to death. You know, so after eight months, I got a job at Chuck E. Cheese, which is also horrible. You know, but like I slowly worked my way up. And then I, I, I did a bunch of like odd jobs, like, you know, I, I worked at a restaurant, I worked at a dishwasher, I was a bouncer, I went door to door for Greenpeace, you know, but I always wanted to make it as an artist. 
you know, and, and I want to make it an artist and a writer. I would be, I was thinking like Alan Moore, like, you know, Frank Miller, like Dark Knight, you know, I'll do that. And uh, when it didn't really seem to be popping off for me, I, I finally put myself through college. I went to community college for art, getting around on, on like this old motorcycle, like bouncing art supplies. You know? <laughs> it wasn't easy, but, you know, I did. I was like, this is what you've got to do to go forward. So I did that. And then I moved to New York City to try and make it. Well, I think you're giving a good a good message to all the listeners out there, especially the youngers, uh, youngsters, you know, where they think that, oh, it's just instant. I just became an artist. Like you worked yourself through a lot of shitty jobs and a lot of sit- shitty situations and got to where you are today, Dan. And I think that's an empowering message for a lot of the listeners out there, especially the young youngsters who think it, you wake up and boom, it's, it happens, right? It's instant. That's not the way it works life. You know, and I'm really, your story has really brought a lot of change to the way that I look because I'm that mom that was like, oh, well, why don't you just buy a coloring book or why don't you, you know, or get a stick on, you know, Uh, or tell me why you're putting that tattoo. Like for you, Dan, when you're putting a tattoo, is it because somebody wants just a, a, a way of expression or is it because there's a meaning behind a tattoo or... You know what's the well, behind the behind the scenes of a tattoo? Well, I think uh, one of the worst things that happened is like the whole like miming impression where people think every tattoo is gonna have like some deep heartfelt meaning. I mean, it can, but it could also be I just like it. That's the reason why I have it. You know, and, and I I think the reason like I've been all over the world, and you know, if you go to Europe, a lot of people want the same tattoo their neighbors or their friends get. Like everyone kind of wants to be them, you know, the same. Where if you go, you know, if you move back to New York or you move back to the U.S., especially like New York, like everybody wants to be an individual. So like, what's the first thing you do when you get in the car? You tint your windows, you bump bumper stickers on it, or you make it your own. You know, so I, I, I think like some people just they want to get tattooed because it's like this is for me. This is my expression. And then I think some people are like more into the culture and, you know, really they're like, yeah, I want to get a sleeve that tells a story. But like every time somebody gets it, like it expresses something that they want to say about themselves. You just brought up a good point. The the sleeve, it's it's like a story told, told right? Right. Well, the way I look at it, like, I've been tattooing 24 years. And when I first did it, it was like, you know, I'll make the whole sleeve, like, one big scene. And I remember I did a Resident Evil tattoo. And I, I did, like, skyscrapers going up the arm and, you know, like, characters on the bottom and everything. That looks great when your arm is straight. It doesn't look great when your arm is, like, bent, you know. So now what I do is, is I, like, kind of make a sleeve, like, a like the Star Wars movie poster where you have like different elements and they all kind of like flow together and they go together, but you don't have to see one to see the other. Oh, well, that's really cool. That's a, that's almost like a, a multiple stories in the arm. Wait, well, that's another cool aspect of it. Yeah. So what do you enjoy doing the most? Do you enjoy doing the sleeves or a single tattoo or? Is well, there a special part on the body that you prefer, Dan? It, I mean, it, it's hard. Um, I would say just like if somebody has a cool idea and we like every tattoo should be a collaboration. You know, it shouldn't be like the the client saying it's got to be this. You know, he's got to listen to his artist. But it should be the artist going, I have to do this. You have to put this on your body even though you don't want it. You know, it, it should be a collaboration. You, so if we like... Like, like, I have a guy, he's a retired um, police officer. Now, I think he's a security guard. And he, he loves to get, um, like, back in the day, he called nerds. But, you know, now now it's cool to be a nerd. You know, he loves to get, like, Marvel superhero stuff and, like, you know, Star Wars stuff. So, like, I did a whole, like, like is a mix of Batman and Star Wars, like, sleep. Like, at one point, like, Batman and Darth Vader are fighting each other with lightsabers and stuff. Like, that, that stuff is great. Like, it inspires me. I'm like, oh, that'll look great. You know, and I know that he'll really appreciate it, which makes it even better. So, you know, I love to do stuff like that. Like, it's not necessarily, you know, the one piece. It's like, it's a cool idea. And, you know, they're into it. I'm into it. You know, and it kind of just all flows together. 
So how long does it take to do a sleeve? I, well, it really depends. It's like, you know, people people do ask that all the time. They're like, oh, so what do you charge for a sleeve? I'm like, well, what do you charge for a car? <laughs> you know, it, it, like, it, it depends. You know, is it more detailed? Is it less detailed? Is it full color? Is it black and gray? You know, so, you know, I can't see a sleeve taking less than like 20 hours. You know, wow. um, but, and that would be quick. <laughs> but you're you not know? doing all of that in one shot. Then. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. What I do, most people do about four hours at a time. You know, and uh, the most, like, I've had people fly in from Europe or fly in from South America, and they'll spend like six to eight hours. Like, eight hours is the absolute maximum. After that, the body just kind of rejects the ink. Like, you, you only want to go to the point where, like, it's you know thoroughly wiped out you're done like if it gets to the point where you're, you're like you know tensing and stuff like that you're actually like when, when you tense up you know when the person tenses up you actually do more skin damage which means it takes longer for the tattoo to heal if it takes longer for the tattoo to heal it loses more ink in the healing process so it's kind of like you're you're you know you're working backwards you know yeah. so most people most people do about like four to six hours um, four hours of local, six hours if they like fly in to see me from somewhere. Wow. Well, it sounds like a lot of work. So yeah, it is the price of a car. Like I understand now because there's so much detail and so much time put into it. So when you, when somebody comes to you for a tattoo den, do you, do you kind of give them like little pointers or little tips on how to make it better or or maybe take something away because it's overcrowded? Like, do you give these suggestions? Oh, I, I definitely do. Like, uh, you know, I have people, like, fortunately, I, I have, like, repeat customers that, like, they've been tattooed by me for, like, 15 or 20 years. So at this point, they just kind of trust me. You know, if I say something, they're like, all right, that sounds good. You know, but there, there are people that come to me and they're, you know, they're, they're referred me, but, you know, they're brand new to me as an artist. So to say, I want this, I'm like, how about we do this? And if they suggest something that I think is a bad idea, I'll tell them it's a bad idea and this is why. You know, I, I don't like it when people just say no, no. I, I like it when there's the explanation behind it. You know, so if I say, hey, well, you know, the best tattoos flow well with the body. We should make it flow, we, which is, that's a very important aspect. Like a lot of people are like, yeah, I'll just put it like a little thing sideways. I mean, it's like, yeah, but, you know, the best tattoos, part of the reason why your brain tells you they look good is because they flow well with the body. So you want to make the tattoo flow well with the body. You know, the other thing is, you know, people will come to me and they'll have like 20 concepts and you can only fit like four or five of them, you know, in the in the piece. And, and you're like, you do not want a Where's Waldo tattoo. You want, you know, something where, where like it, it flows and tells an organic story. Um, and tattoos need to be visible from across the street, like you know, through arm hair from across the street. It shouldn't be like you have to look at tattoo like this just to see what's going on. So you don't like the little tiny tiny guys? No, well, there are two things. One is less visible. The other thing is all tattoos spread over time. Like the way the tattooing stays in the skin is you know, white blood cells swallow up the particles, you know, like they swallow up like a bit bacteria and stuff. But they're too fat to get out of the skin. So basically, all tattoos you see are just trapped white blood cells. But the thing is, over time, the white blood cells move around. And by moving around, it makes the image kind of like spread out. So if you notice, tattoos are like 30 years old. You know, like some of them have blurred out so they're unreadable. Um, the bigger, stronger tattoos stand the test of time. So like those little tiny ones, like like when I, I see like little tiny lettering or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I'd give that two years. Oh wow. So it kind of fades out. It it, it doesn't fade out like it disappears. It does fade out a little bit. The other thing is like um, you know, tattoos they stay because they're trapped in in you know skin cells, but some of the skin cells die over time and they get flushed out. That's also why tattoos get lighter over time. And if you see like tattoo laser removal, basically what laser removal is, is like intense, you know, sunburn, suntan, okay. like it, it's just killing more cells than normal. So, you know, 
everything gets a little bit lighter over time, but also those cells like move around the intracellular fluid, which means they blur a little bit. So if you have like very strong lines, you know, that kind of like, even though the whole piece has gotten a little bit lighter and blurred out a little bit, you can still see what's going on. If the whole thing is like super small, you know, it like depends on a bunch of, you know, colors that like once they fade out, you can no longer see them. You're in trouble. Wow. I'm learning so much. I'm like so engaged. I'm just like, I'm like stuck in the conversation here. I have questions coming in and I'm just like, you, uh, so uh, we have a question here. Did you learn this in art school about the blood flows and the, the body? Oh, not at all. And, and I thought I made the mistake of um, I went to art school and, you know, I got some gallery acclaim and local acclaim and then I moved to the big city and you know, I got into tattooing. I was thinking, I'm an artist. I went to art school. It'll be easy. No, it's not. Not at all. And the thing is, like, even when you learn how to put down the good tattoo, you know, it varies on the area. Like, you know, some areas are easy to tattoo, some are hard to tattoo, some you have to tattoo differently. Like, if you tattoo, like, a, a thin area of the skin, like the inside of the arm, you have to move faster because if you, if you stay, it's going to start to bleed out. You know, so you have to learn all these, like, little, like, um, little, you know, tiny like particulars of the tattooing industry and you know, you also learn what looks good over time what fades over time you know um i remember when i started like you know so it was like uh you have a lot of the old timers so they you know if you use something more like uh more artistic more like a painting they're like that doesn't look like a tattoo so like you, you have to filter between you know are they telling you something valuable or they're just being, it's just a subjective nonsense, you know? And then, you know, some of them would be like, like I was one of the first guys doing color portraits. And, you know, I, I remember some people were, were like, it, it put me in all the magazines and everything, but you had some old timers are like, yeah, they're, they're really, some were really rude about it. Some were like, I just don't know how that will hold up. And to be honest, they don't really hold up. <laughs> because what happens is some colors fade out of the skin faster than other colors. Oh. So, you know, if, if the whole thing is like, like the Mona Lisa, like a whole bunch of colors, like, like when I do a painting, I, I only use one color for the face. I use a little bit of brown, a little bit of pink, a little bit of yellow, a little bit of white, you know, but so if one color fades out for the other one, the whole thing falls apart. So you have some artists like, like Nico Hurtado, I think is a good example like he, he really heavily saturates and a little bit simplifies everything. And you might go, you know, well, this guy's amazing. Why didn't he do like, you know, even more detail? It's like, yeah, because it's not going to look good in a couple of years. But I, unfortunately I had to learn that the hard way, you know, like, like five years later, I you know, saw some of my tattoos come back and I was like, Oh man, I, I gotta change up the way I'm approaching this. So I mean, fortunately, that was in 2004. So, you know. <laughs> so, Dan, is there like special different tattoo guns for colors and black and white, like different shades? Um, no. Well, all right. So, first of all, um, I, I wouldn't expect you to know, a lot of people know this is an innocent mistake. Um, call them machines, don't call them guns. Like, a lot of the old school people are like, oh, guns are for shooting people, they're machines, you know. But, um, they make a whole variety of different tattoo machines and you know, some it's more like how you approach stuff. And it's more like um, what you do. Like, like for instance, if you do very soft black and gray, they make machines that are great for very soft black and gray, but the same machines aren't good for putting down like a hard hitting, you know, outline of, of like, you know, lettering or, you know, like, like, you know, traditional or whatever. So you have different machines that like are better at, you know, certain aspects of the, the tattoo game. Well, I just learned something because I, I everyone's like the tattoo gun. And so you guys call the machine, you guys <laughs> right, call right. the machines. So no more guns guys. We got machines Great. going on. So uh, we also have another question here. Is there like a tattoo school where you can learn to tattoo? Are there courses out there, Dan, that you know of? 
There are, and everyone looks down on them. And if you actually went to a school, school, it's very hard to get a job as an artist after that. If you say, yeah, I went to such and such school of tattooing, like, get out. <laughs> you know, like, get like, out of here. You're going to work your way up here. Yeah. You're going to check it, the keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, because the thing is, like, it's one of those things where you really, like, first, if you want to be a car mechanic, right, you know, probably the best way is to go to trade school and, like, to apprentice on somebody, right? So if you had, like, a tattoo trade school and, like, you apprentice on somebody, that'd be great. Or if you just apprentice on somebody and so they basically do the job of trade school, which we don't really have tattoo trade school, so the apprenticeship would be the way to go, then, you know, that's good. But, I mean, you're talking about, like, you know, a year-long commitment to, to you know, learn the craft with a mentor sitting here going, use this, don't do that, I don't like the way you're doing this. I mean, you're not going to learn that in two weeks. So I, I think, like, the tax school schools just, they pretty much take your money. Um, and there was a, I think TLC was going to have a program, like, right when all the tattoo programs were, like, a big deal, like Mammy Inc. And, you know, um, and they were going to put out a, a program called Tattoo School. And then some lady was going to do a tattoo school, and it was, like, two grand, and, you know, come in. And there was a massive campaign to say, you know, reject tattoo school, stop watching TLC, you know, like, they, like you, you know, like the no smoking signs or whatever. <laughs> they did that with, like, tattoo school with the slash through it. Like, it was everywhere on, like, Facebook and Instagram and everything. So it very heavily, like, even, even if it was good, it's so looked down on. It's like, why even try? And it is it really i i can't see how it would be good i mean maybe like two weeks would teach you some of the basics but you really need somebody to like follow up on it with you and the tattoo game is changing all the time like when, when i started out we made our own needles we had something called needle jig and you know we we had like like a, a little needle magnifying glass and nobody does that anymore you want to tell us a little bit more about that needle jig? Well, what it was is, so pre-made needles were expensive. So what you do is you buy a whole bunch of like loose needles and then you buy like, like um, solder and you'd have like a soldering iron and you'd have what's called a needle jig. And, you know, you put together needles and you put the, the bar there and you, you like solder it. And then you have like, the, the eyeglass where you look at it to make sure that, you know, the needles are close enough together. Like, it, it was a process. And then after you did all that, then you need to put it in autoclave bag and autoclave it to make it sterile. You know, so it, it was it was an ongoing, long process. But the, the, the tattoo game, like I said, has changed over time. Like, like, at one point in time, nobody changed their needles. They'd use oh. the same needle until it went dull. And then sometimes they go out back and they sharpen it on the concrete to make it, you know, you know, like tattoo worthy again. And a lot of the old school people, they would die of like hepatitis or whatever. So what they do is they test how sharp it was by testing it on their fingers. So they have all the little dots all over their hands. You know, oh, wow. back in those days, they didn't wear gloves or anything. You know, and it, it's funny because the way that, that you know, you, you wipe down people now is like your paper towels, you have a you, you spray medical soap on it. It's called green soap. You know, that's what most people use, green soap. And you wipe it down, you throw it away, and then you keep tattooing. It used to be you didn't wear gloves, and you had a bucket, and the bucket was full of water, and it had a sponge in it. And so they'd be tattooing you. they grab the sponge. they wipe you down, throw the sponge back in there. They never would change the water. So by the end of the day, it would be blooded water. So the you know, they call it the bucket of blood. they like, dump it out and back. Oh, <laughs> there's, there's, I, I can keep going. There's a lot of like uh, kind of interesting stories. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm intrigued. Like, I'm like, and I got questions coming in here, and I'm just like, oh, I, okay, yeah, I'm gonna get to it. But 
Dan, you're sharing so much education, and I think that's what we need. Is and this is what this platform is for: is to bring teaching, education, awareness, right? So I want to get your tea before we get into some of your books, because I know that you have some books. One of your old books was just redone again, and you have a new book coming out. So I want to get into that as well. But I want to get into your tea. So if I ask you, Dan, what your tea is, what three words would you give me? Well, I, I think you need to, there's probably more than one word. You need to believe in yourself, like self-belief, maybe that would be you know one big word. Um, so you need to believe in yourself. And you also need to have ambition. Like, you know, they're the people that believe in themselves, but they just sit on the couch and play video games. So, you know, self-belief, ambition, um, and you have to have dedication. Like, you can't just, like, do it and then, hey, I get distracted, and then I do it again, then I get distracted. Because if you do that, nobody takes you seriously. So you got to stay consistent. Exactly. So now, Dan, I want to get into your books because – I'm. We're already over half an hour here. We're just getting so much out there. Time and I'm flies. learning so much. I'm the mom that's like, why do you guys do that? Like, because my, my older kids have tattoos, and I'm always like, okay, so tell me what that means. Like, why why is it there? Uh, you know, and my son's just like, Mom, mom, I like it. Like, that's what I like. So I'm like, oh, okay. I'm trying to understand as a parent who doesn't have any tattoos. And my, everybody ah. wants to tattoo me. Like my, my nephews do tattooing. My brother-in-law does tattooing. Everybody wants to get a tattoo on me. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then when it comes to it, I'm like, I'm, I'm that big chicken. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> we'll wait another year or we'll wait another six months. And you know, so for the people out there that would like to get a tattoo and that are like chicken shits like me, what, what do you tell them? I, I would say uh, pretty much, I, I've seen this in my 24 years of tattooing. Like, you know, once you get your first tattoo, like, even if you decide, hey, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't what I ideally would have gotten with some more knowledge, like, that sells them on it. So then they want their, like, they'll be finishing up the first one and they're already planning the second one. Um, so I would say start out, like, get something small and don't get it, like, in, in like a super obvious place, like, you know, right here on the wrist or whatever, but get something small kind of feel it out. And I'll bet you, you know, after a little while, you'd be like, Hey, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, I, I picked what art was on my body. And then at that point you kind of like make a decision about what you want from there. And, and I haven't seen this once. I've seen this, you know, more times than I can count. Like people will come and they'll get their first tattoo from me. And like, it's like, they're pretty like, uh, reserved about it they get something small and then they end up getting sleep by me wow so you're telling me if i get just a little teacup i'll get a sleep <laughs> well i make the joke i tell everyone that we put heroin in the ink so you keep coming back to get that <laughs> let me feed you <laughs> yeah yeah but then we ha we have somebody who's laughing here at me and also saying, Miss Liz, if you ever got the balls to get a tattoo, would you get Dan to do it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, for all the chicken shits out there, because there's a lot of us, uh, you know, what do you tell us to do to get our first tattoo? Like, because maybe they're panicking, maybe they're stressing. What do you tell somebody to relax to get their first one? Well, what I do, because I was in a tattoo shop, so I, I do end up doing, like, small tattoos sometimes. Like, if nobody else do it, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it, you know. And um, <clears throat> I'm like, you know, if it's our first tattoo, I'm like, okay, let me go over a couple things with you. One, you can ask me to stop. I'll stop. Do not move. If you move, you're going to fuck up the tattoo. Now, the other thing is... <clears throat> You know, like, like, let's say it's a cancer ribbon. Like, I just did a cancer ribbon on a guy. And, like, so let's say it's a cancer ribbon. So then I, like, shoot a timeline and go, how's that? So instead of, like, just, boom, all right, here, here's the whole thing. It's like, you know, I give them a little test. So they kind of know what they're in for, you know. And that also kind of tells you how the person is. Because the person's going to be, like, generally like this. You know to hold the machine a little bit lighter, you know. You oh. know to, like, try and tell them, hey, I need you calm down you, you know how to address it you know i'm like if you feel lightheaded at all which by the way is not a pain reaction that's like a mental chemical reaction you know oh. like like 
I never felt like I had to get a tattoo. I remember I had a mole removed and couldn't even feel it. And I got all lightheaded and almost passed out. So it, it's a chemical reaction. <clears throat> but if you get lightheaded, definitely do not get up. If you get up, you're going to pass out and fall over. But if you get lightheaded, tell your artist. He'll pause, you know, bring you some water, bring you some candy, which will raise your blood sugar, and you'll be fine. So, Dan, have you ever tattooed yourself? Uh, I, I tattooed uh, most of my arm, I mean, a long time ago. Because um, the thing is, like, you know, <clears throat> I went to art school, so I, I, I had, like, this very slick portfolio of all my artwork, but my tattoos were crap because they just started. So they're, like, little tiny – we call them bangers. We had little tiny bangers. So I want to prove to people that I could do something better. So, you know, I try for a while and then I just tattoo myself. And, and I love tattoos anyways. Uh, you know, I already had some. So I'm like, it, it wasn't like I was registered to tattoo myself. I was like, yeah, I'll go ahead and tattoo myself. You know, and I remember it was kind of a pain in the ass because, you know, I had my girlfriend like holding my arm, you know, while I'm tattooing because that's what you have to do you have to spread the skin. And then she'd be getting bored. She'd be letting go. I'd be like, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> Get back over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you have to stretch the skin when you're tattooing yourself? Yes. Yeah. Well, the oh. thing is, like, um, whenever you tattoo anyone, you have to stretch the skin. You know, like, you, you need to pull it tight to tattoo it. And, like, when people get, like, for instance, a lower back tattoo, they need to sit and lean forward. You know, like it, 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 what it does is it spreads the skin of the lower back. Like, one problem that people make, like, one mistake that a lot of tattoo artists make when they first start out is they'll have you sit down, lean forward, and they'll put the sense on you. That's not what you want. You want them standing up when you put this on because that's the way the tattoos are going to look when they walk down the street. But when they get tattooed, they have to lean over and it spreads the skin. Otherwise, it's a nightmare. You're wow. going to, like, heavily damaged the skin and not fully saturated. So we have a question here for you, Dan. Why, why dead guy LLC? What's that stand for? Well, one of my favorite bands ever is called dead guy. <laughs> and, and on the advice of um, Keith Underwood, he owns, um, he owns a tattoo parlor in Chicago and another one in Austin, Texas. I lived in Austin, Texas for a while. I remember asking him, you know, like, I was like, Hey, I want to get all my, um, finances straight with the IRS and everything. He's like, you should incorporate. You know, like this company, this world, not this world, this, this country is built on corporations. You know, so if you have a corporation, you know, like, you know, work stuff as a tax write-off, you know, you can do stuff and you're, you're protected against you know, liability for a lot of stuff. So that's what I did. So when I incorporated, you know, I named my corporation Dead Guy LLC. And initially, I just did that for myself, you know, for my taxes. But, it, like, it's evolved into, like, it's kind of like my company now puts out my artwork. I, like, I, I publish stuff by it. It's, it's become a bigger entity. So we have another question. How many genres of tattooing is there? Uh, they come up all, like, new ones come up all the time. And then you have genres, you have subgenres, you know. It's kind of like saying, you know, how many different types of movies are there? Well, I, I don't know. Maybe mix a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But um, like, like you have a like as far as like you know, big like very definite categories. Like one is traditional, which is more like the old school kind of like uh, tribal folk art, folk art looking stuff. Um, you have stuff called realism. You know, um, which is like try to make it look as much like a photo as possible. Um, you have stuff called uh, neorealism. You have uh, you have all sorts of stuff. You know, you have new school. You you have you have you know tattoos that look more like cartoons. You have tattoos. Um, there's a there's a traditional Japanese tattoo. You know, which is uh, not just like the hand poke, which is the way they used to do it, but it's just it's the style and the look of them. So even when people use machines, they still you know, stay faithful to that kind of like it's a Japanese watercolor style. You know, so like if you look at like their art books and so on, you know, it's watercolor. And I, I think like like one of the best purveyors that I saw is Jesse N. And he does stuff that looks like it looked like a great flowing story, you know, based off of some Japanese myth. 
and everything looks like it is done. You know, it's drawn in watercolor, but it's in ink. Wow. So, what is your favorite genre? Um, I kind of do. Um, I call it illustrated realism. So it's like, well, dark illustrated realism. So like it, it'll be, you know, it'll be it'll have a dark theme because I, I tend to lean dark on everything I do. Um, but it'll be realistic. But I don't want to make it like like picture perfect Photoshop realistic because that just doesn't hold up over time. So what I try to do is I try and make my stuff look a little illustrated, like a comic book. Like if you look at like a very well drawn comic book. You know, it's a little bit more like graphic and formal. The contract's a little bit higher, but that will hold up over time. That looks good. Wow. So we have another question here. I'm, I'm trying to get into the books. <laughs> we can't get any questions coming in. Uh, is there a tattoo convention? Well, uh, there, there's, uh, there's an endless number of them, like thousands. I mean, it used to be that like there was a very small number of conventions. Sorry, my dog is barking. <laughs> it used to be there was a very small number of conventions. You know, it, it was a very closed community, but it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And I'm sure, like, shows like Ink Master and stuff just like blew it up. So now, like, you can find, you know, a convention in every state. Like, you can find three conventions in every state, like, you know, almost every weekend there's something. Um, but uh, one of the best is Hell City, it's in Columbus, Ohio. I really like that one. Um, it, it varies uh, timetable-wise. Like sometimes it's more in May, sometimes it's more in June, but it's usually around that time. Um, I, I like the there's the Detroit Tattoo Expo, uh, and it, it's put on by Eternal Tattoos, which uh, a, a lot of the big name artists like Bob Terrell and, and you know and Marshall Bennett and so on. They came from Eternal Tattoos. And then Eternal started making like supplies, like they make Eternal Inks, which I'm sponsored by Eternal Inks. They're, they're awesome. Um, I remember I was just using them for years. And then one day they're like, hey, your sponsor is free. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it, it, it's like that's an invite only, not for not for the customers, but for the artists there. The artists, you have to be invited to attend that show. Um, same with Hell City, you have to be invited to attend the show. So I really like that because the quality of the artists is high. Like if and if any of the artists suck, you know, first of all, they wouldn't make it there. If they somehow make it there, they'll instantly get out. You know, like maybe they'll be there for one show and then like a Hell City Dirt Morrison runs it and you know he'll be like, all right, bye. You know, or like a you know with the Detroit show, Tramp Walker runs it. Same thing. He'll be like, all right, you're out. So Dan, if anybody wants to meet you in person, how could they meet you? Well, you can only come to my shop. I'm in uh, Long Beach, New York. Um, it's called the Abyss Tattoo. Um, Long Beach isn't real big. It's like there's like Manhattan, and there's a Long Island right next to Manhattan called Long Island, and right next to Long Island is this little island called Long Beach, and that's me. And do you have a waiting list for your tattoos? I do. Uh, I have about a month long waiting list, but it's it's a little varied because I run the shop and I write and I do artwork. So I, I try not to book a crazy number of appointments a week. And what I also do is, you know, I, I like mix it around based on your needs. Like, you know, some people are like, Hey man, I'm flying in from Brazil. I, I love to get tattooed by you this week. So I'm like, all right, do I have any openings that week? Okay. So you're scheduled for that week. So even though, you know, like I tried to book three um, days a week of tattooing, you know, so even though, you know, I might already have three days booked, I'm like, okay, I'll give you, you know, another day because like it's convenient for you. I, I try to work with people. So I want to get in. We're, we're flying by the hours almost up here. We've got less than 12 <laughs> minutes left. I want to get into the books. Let's get into the books before we get out of here. Uh, I want to do the never dead. That's your new book that's coming out. Do you want right, to talk right. about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, actually, it's out already, but it just came out. But it's like it's in hardcover, it's in paperback, you know, it's an audio, you know, it's a Kindle, um, it's everywhere. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, everything. What it is, it's an anthology, and you know, I mean, because I do artwork for a bunch of magazines and books and so on, 
there are a bunch of authors and I was like, I will give you one of my original drawings if you will do a story for me. And, and you know, a lot of people are like, oh yeah, no, that sounds good. So I gave them an original drawing and the, the story and it worked out. Fortunately, I mean, they're all like, I, I was like, this is the theme I'm going for. Kind of like, think like Twilight Zone, Out of the Limits, like Tales from the Crypt. I don't want like extreme like slasher gore horror you know i don't want like romance you know but you know kind of like i don't tell you what to do just kind of keep it in that vein more or less so it and fortunately it's worked out like it a lot of people seem to like it you know it's like you know obviously some of the stories they like better than others and different people lead towards different stories but i i enjoy it i i appreciate it i i think everyone else what I think everyone should buy it. <laughs> Everybody go out and get it. Never dead. Yeah. <laughs> so are they based on true stories? Are they based on tattooing world? What what, what are the stories based on? No, no, they're in fact I, I think I'm the only I am the only one there that's also a tattoo artist. So like some of them like like Jeff Strand or Christine Morgan, like they're just well known authors. You know, and, and like they just happen to, you know. Like, I also do illustrations for magazines, and both of them have been magazines that I've done illustrations for the stories in. So, you know, we kind of had that connection. So, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to use that to get them to contribute to my anthology. But, you know, it, it worked out great. So, and you have a book that you redid, your first book. What right. was what the, your well, first book? I, I always wanted to be a, a writer and an artist. Like, you know, I interviewed with comic companies and interviewed with like Penguin Books. But so I had this idea, like when, when I was like a little kid, you know, I kind of had the idea and I'd be working on like my art table with like quilt pens and stuff. And I lived in like, you know, Gainesville, Florida. And there's a lot of indie artists who work at comic shops. And I'd go there, i get advice. So, you know, that story, that core of the story kind of evolved and I, was, I really want to do it as a graphic novel so i remember i redrew like the initial three pages you know like four different times and, and you know finally when i interviewed the comics i realized they were not going to let me do that you know so they're like at the time they were doing very poorly you know like the movie saved them they almost went bankrupt you know so they just wanted superheroes so i was like okay well i'll do my own illustrated books so, you know, I, I took that story and I uh, rewrote it yet again. And I managed to get published by first Anarchy Books and then Premier Press. Um, and then I just got the rights back from Premier Press. And I was like, well, now I think I'm much better as an author. You know, it, like I, I've been, you know, writing, you know, commercially for like 15 years. So, you know, I, I will take that, the core of a story, which I always loved. And, you know, try and, like, you know, bring it up to speed, like, to, you know, my my modern writing prowess or, you know, <laughs> if, if I have any. And, and I was like, and I'll include some more illustrations, kind of make a treat for people. So I re-released that. And uh, I re-released that under my own company, Dead Guy LC. It's called the, it's called the Black Caesar Infinity. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, I'm pretty proud of that, too. So everybody can grab that book at Amazon as well. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, uh, you know, uh, Audible, it's everywhere. Oh, that's awesome! So, what message do you have for anybody out there who would like to get into the in tattoo world? Just don't give up. Uh, that's one. That's one mistake that I've seen a number of people make. Like I made it not with tattooing, but I made it with like a number of things. Like if somebody tells you no. And you go, oh, all right, you know, and you just quit, then you're never going to go anywhere. And, and the thing is, a lot of people tell you no because, you know, they want to see your resolve. Like, are you really into this? Is this really your thing? Like, I can't count the number of people that made it as a tattoo artist because they just wouldn't go away. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, finally, the, the tattoo artist was like, all right, all right, this guy won't leave me alone. All right, I'll produce you. So, I, I like that message, Dan, because you're telling people, I tell that to my kids all the time. If somebody tells me no, I go knock on three more doors. So in those three right. no doors, they're like, why are you knocking? Because somebody gave me a no. So now you have to deal with me. 
<laughs> you well, know, you have to be persistent. The other thing I'll say, you know, is you have to be persistent in everything. Like, you know, you have to market yourself. So, like, when, you know, I first started tattooing, and I was, like, a no-name, I kept sending my stuff out to all the magazines. This is back in the days when you didn't have, like, I you know, I didn't have, like, files saved on a computer. So, I'd go to, like, you know, a photo store. They would be printing out photos. So, I'd just be slapping in the envelopes and mailing them out to everybody. And then, like, no, nobody was beneath me. It could be a magazine that, like, three people read. I was like, okay, I want to be featured. You know, and... At one point, it just clicked, and all of a sudden, everybody wanted to feature me. But it's kind of weird. It's just that's the way it happens. It's like that one thing that somebody saw, and they go, hey, who's this person? So, yeah, you just keep it up. Awesome. So I want to get into the last two questions before we wrap up. we got less than five minutes here. Dan, I asked you one word to describe yourself, and you gave me the word weird. So I want to know why you (laughs) gave me that word. (laughs) Well, I, I think... Everybody has um, a different outlook on, like, like I remember, um, this sounds like a sidetrack, but it's not. Like, I remember when I went to art school and I do a painting and my art teacher was like, you know, and other people would be like, oh, I love your style. I'm like, what style? I'm just painting what I see. You know, and then eventually I realized, like, people are like, oh, I see a tattoo. I know Dan Hink did it. You know, it's like, so I, I guess it's weird because everyone has a different outlook on life. With life, you know, it, it's not weird, isn't a bad thing. Weird is just like it means you know, you're not trying to follow everyone else. Awesome, I love it. I love that you that you did that, Dan. You know, you got really an empowering message for all of the viewers and listeners out there. If you're watching the replay, push hashtag replay because I always want to know where you're tuning in from. But I've learned so much with tattooing, and I got a lot of people that are poking at me over here telling me, Miss Liz, get one, get one. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe for my 50th. My 50th is in May. Maybe I'll do that for my 50th birthday. I don't know yet. Uh, so your favorite color, Dan, that you gave me was black. Why black? Right. Well, black isn't actually a color. Black is a shade, but yeah. <laughs> but I'm gonna go with like the the goth thing, you know, and say black, like very metal, very goth, you know. But I, I just like black, like like you know, my my shorts are black. My you know, I get black jeans. I'm gonna get blue jeans. I, I just like it. So, Dan, if anybody wants to reach you through your website, if you could read it out so that the audio listeners can find you. Could you uh, share that with everybody? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. It's danhank.com. Hank is a weird German last name. It's H-E-N-K. So it's Dan Hank. You know, it, probably Hank was like, well, it is a common German first name. Probably what happened is in Ellis Island, like my grandparents, you know, they're like, you have this like crazy complicated last name. Now it's Hank. I love it. And I love that. It, I love that it's German because I have German blood in me. My almost back there. So I'm just like, yeah, I love it. So I want to really thank you, Dan, for joining me on Tea Time. And for all the viewers and listeners out there, for everybody that was sending questions. Yes, I've seen them all and I've been trying to get them out. But I myself enjoyed the guest today. So I, I don't sometimes I just get into the conversation and I learn something as well. And that's why I have all these different guests on. And Dan, you really opened my eyes into tattooing. I understand a little bit more. Now I understand when my kids are like, mom, come on, just do it. <laughs> my kids are in their thirties and they're like, mom, move, move. And I'm like, okay, okay. I'll think about it. I will get out of the. I think they said phase. under the age of 36, like 80% of the population is tattooed. Really? Yeah. Oh, Wow. <laughs> maybe i'll do it for my 50th maybe i'll I'll contact you down maybe i'll come to new york and i'll and i'll see you and i'll, I'll, like, I'll like uh let's do this yeah but i really want to thank you i really appreciated the time and i appreciate all the information you gave me so so much to look for and my listeners and audience really enjoyed your your time to here today so if anybody would like to know more about all of these incredible tea time guests check out miss liz's website www.misslizesteatimes.com all of my guests are there if you'd like to watch any of the tea times on video you can watch them on my youtube channel give that a quick subscribe and the podcast they're on over 80 different channels and we're also on the radio on wfrm radio dot uh, radio dot org i think it is no 
Let's get it right. <laughs> WFRM Radio in the UK. My my brothers are going to really kick my butt here. <laughs> and hey, so that is out there as well. That is played on a Tuesday at 12 a.m. to 1 a.m. Check out there will be tea times there. I will be back at 7 p.m. for the last tea time of September. And then we're jumping into October with 12 new guests. Check out Miss Liz's Facebook page and my website, and you can see all the guests that are coming in October. But we will be back with another personal story at 7 p.m with Yasmin Azar from Sri Lanka. She is in the United States now, but she's going to be talking about culture and Muslim and her book called Stay Daughter. So we'll be talking about that. So check that out. I will see everybody back at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until then, keep serving your tea and keep keeping it real. Until then, Miss Liz is out. <laughs>